Well, hello to everybody and so nice to see you again and uh, really um, love today, love seeing uh, some of you that came out and uh, shared with us in the Sunday Hub. So that was really good uh, to see you and um, just looking forward to what God is going to be doing over the next few weeks. And um, as I was praying about uh, the word that I wanted to bring tonight, um, you know, uh, I really love taking the uh, stories and, you know, the scripture, and I love breaking it down and just trying to bring it to life uh, as much as possible and, and make it to where that we can see it, uh, remembering that back then, you know, they were humans. Uh, it wasn't just robots. It wasn't just these super uh, Christians, you know, faith men and women of God who never uh, had mistakes or never went through anything. So um hoping that you'll really see that tonight when the word that's God, that God has given me. So um, I've changed my title about three times, but I think now I've settled on what I feel like uh, it should be. And faith is not faith just because you say it. So faith is not faith just because you say it. Now, you know, I wanted to say something here because of our past experiences or what we've heard or what we've seen uh, before. Sometimes we get to where that we focus more on our past experiences than on the word of God. Now, I just want to ask you, maybe you might want to put the answer to this question that I'm about to ask you. Uh, you might feel uh, uncomfortable doing it, which is fine. But if you feel comfortable doing it, I just want you to answer a couple of questions here. How many times have you given up on a miracle due to past experiences or feelings. So I want to say that again. How many times have you given up on a miracle due to past experiences or feelings? And then, you know, this is uh, really a rhetorical question for you because I, I, the next question is just what does the word of God say? Let the, the, at the end of the day, here's, here's the thing. We uh, are human and we tend to, uh, at times when we're facing things and we need victories and we need miracles to happen in our life, we tend to go back thinking, oh, well, it'll probably be like the last time, you know, nothing's going to happen. Or I've been in this situation before and I know, you know, this is uh, going to take place or this is going to take place. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in that that we forget that what is important is what does the word of God say? So I want to take you uh, to a biblical example uh, in Luke chapter five. So if you're a new Christian, you can go to the New Testament. That's in the first four gospels. So we have Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, and we're going to go to chapter five. Now, before I get to my key verse, uh, I just want to share with you, you know, a lot of you might have already, um, you know, those of you that have been Christians for a while or those of you that know the word, um, you will have read this story and studied it at some point in time, I'm sure. 
But my key verse tonight is, I'm going to read my key verse first, but I want to go back to verse one. So if you want to just hold your scriptures open, um, I want to really uh, be focusing on the whole first part of chapter five. So uh, verse five says, Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say, and I will lower the nets again. Now, what I love, love, love about this scripture is Peter is almost saying to us that he is not even sure that he believes that anything is going to happen. But the key thing is, he still says, uh, if you like King James or if you like New King James, the actual word is nevertheless. Um, So he said, but at your word, I will do as you say. So in other words, I'm not going to do what I feel. I'm not going to do what my past experience tells me that has happened, even though you he even might have still even been thinking, this is not going to work. It ain't going to happen. I've been out there all night. I know what's going to, what we were up against. But he still said, at thy word, I'm going to lower my nets again key thing, Lord, at thy word, I'm going to do what you say. Now, I want to go back to verse one, and I want to take you there where uh, the scripture says, now it happened that while Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, or in other words, Sea of Galilee, people were starting to crowd all around him, and they were listening to the word of God. Now you can imagine, I want you just to picture, here we are, uh, those of us that went to Israel a couple of years ago, Sea of Galilee is absolutely beautiful and, and all around it, there are places that are quite calm. And you can imagine when suddenly here's Jesus and um, he is uh, teaching the word of God. And all of a sudden I wrote actually here, it was Jesus who saw the setup. Now, why? Because he's standing by the lake and people are crowding around him and he started to share the word of God. The first thing I want to point out to you, and this is why I love teaching the word, is the first thing he says is uh, that he shared the word of God. So notice even Jesus shared the word of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Now, next scripture, it says, he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, though the fishermen had just gotten out of them and were already washing their nets. Now, I love this because Jesus is teaching and suddenly he sees a setup. He sees what I I call it a setup myself, but he sees an opportunity to use something of someone's to teach the word. Now, listen to this. It says that 
you can imagine. Now, I was I was talking to uh, Mark just a little bit before the broadcast, and he was, you know, he's a he's a fisherman now. He loves to fish, and um, he was just telling me, you know, he's always uh, showing uh, when he goes out uh, fishing, and I can just imagine how he would feel if he'd been out all night and he's fishing and he's washing his nets and he's thinking, oh, you know, I'm just ready to go home. I'm ready to go home, get some breakfast, or I'm ready to go home and see, you know, my family. And then suddenly Jesus gets into one of the boats because notice now we're in, in verse three, he sees them washing their nets and he gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's boat. Now, I think that the reason I love focusing on this part of the scripture is because notice this, Jesus likes using our stuff. He likes using our stuff. Now, it's really significant why he likes to use our stuff. Do you know why? Because, now come on, I want you to get this, because when he uses our stuff for the kingdom, Rather, when we allow him to use our stuff for the kingdom, guess what? He always blesses it. Wow, I love that. You see, he loves using what belongs to us. Why? Because technically it doesn't, come on, it doesn't really belong to us anyway. We are only managing it. He's the owner. He's the one that gave it to us. He, he owns everything. So, you know, when he chooses to use our stuff to advance the kingdom, it's because he has a plan. He wants to bless us through using our stuff. So I love that because he wants to use it not only to show us that he can use what is ours. But think about this. He is using it for the kingdom. He's using it to share the word of the Lord. And I I just think that is really, really powerful. So think about this. I'll just sidetrack a bit on, think about if you have a business and you use it to bless the church or um, maybe some ministers or some pastors with what you can do. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, that it always has to be free. It's not It's not just about the fact that it always has to be free. But maybe you give, you know, great rates or maybe you give more service than you should for the money charged. Or perhaps you do actually just offer to do it for free. Why? Because you know that God has already given you that business to start with. So you want to use it to bless the house of God. You want to use it to bless, um, you know, other ministers, other pastors, people uh, in ministry. Why? Because you know that when you do, God is going to turn around and bless you because you're using it for the kingdom. Now, so back to the boat. He begins to preach from the boat. So you can imagine, I'm sure, you know, put yourself in in Simon Peter's uh, position and he's probably sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm a fisherman. I've been out all night. I want to go home. And you've just sat down in my boat ready to preach. So it um, it says there in um, verse three, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, asked him to take it out a little bit of distance from the shore. So already he's committed and he? he's, he's gotten uh, Peter to take him out. 
And he sat down and he began teaching the crowds from that boat. Now, you know, the thing is, I, I just think this is so amazing because in spite of the fact that, you know, Peter is tired and Peter is, is feeling like that he's already, you know, been out and, you know, he just, he wants to go home. But at the same time, there's, I, I just believe that there was something that would have caught his, his attention. There's something that at that moment would have spoken to him of him thinking that, wow, you know, what, what is this man talking about? Because if you jump on ahead in the scripture, it actually says that, um, and, and I, I don't want to get too far into that yet, but in verse 10, it, it talks about the fact, uh, verse 10, and I think on into verse 11, it says that they will then now become fishers of men. So remember, Simon Peter is about to have this encounter uh, with the Lord Jesus, and he's, he's listening to this teaching, and he doesn't realize, he doesn't realize the blessing that is about to come his way. Now, I just want to stop a minute, and I want to just slow down, and I want you to think about this. Sometimes we might think that studying God's Word uh, we might feel like that, um, and I hate to say it like this, but you know, some people may feel like, oh, it's it's a waste of time, or it just takes up time when I should be doing other things of reading his word, of spending time uh, talking to the Lord and spending time listening to the Lord. And when you read the scripture, not just reading it, but also asking the Lord to reveal his word to you, to show you what he's trying to tell you with his word. But you see, um, what I think is so key is that even though at that moment, Simon Peter might have felt like that this was a waste of time, he didn't realize that he was about to receive a great blessing. He was about to receive a miraculous turnaround in his life, in his business, and in fact, a turnaround of what was about to happen for his future. He was being set up for a miracle. I want to challenge you. I want to stop right here for just a couple of minutes. And I want to challenge you this afternoon, this evening, to ask yourself, Lord, am I being set up for a miracle? Because you see, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in the circumstances around us. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in the, the mess, so to speak, or we're listening to a lot of negativity around us, or we are indeed focusing on past experiences and things what we've been through before. And we're thinking, oh, well, it, it's not going to happen because it didn't happen before. And, and here I am again. When in actual fact, it's God speaking to us saying, I'm trying to set you up for a miracle. And, you know, setting us up for a miracle means that while that is happening, we may be tired. We may not feel like that, you know, it, it's all looking amazing. And we might even feel down. We might even feel, um, you know, like there's just nothing else for me. And, you know, what I love about that is that 
when you just allow yourself to just close out the noise around you, I don't, you know, no matter how negative people can be, shut it down and listen, what is God saying? What does his word say? When you say, oh, it, it looks grim around me, but what does God's word say that it looks like? So here's Peter. He's being set up for a miracle. He thinks that this is just taking up more time. He thinks that he just can't wait for Jesus to be quiet. Come on, if you're thinking about him really being human and he doesn't really know this Jesus, he's probably thinking, you know, I just can't wait till you finish because I want my boat back and I want to go home. And so here they are and they're listening. And you know, you're listening and the word of the Lord is going in you because you see, as the word of the Lord starts to filter down in your spirit, you begin to see the great things that God wants to do. So I want to show you. So here we are, we're listening and we're going to move on now. And I'm moving in to verse four. He's finishing speaking. All right. And this is what I love about it. He says, and I quote, I'm reading from the Amplified. He had finished speaking and he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water. All right. So now he's telling him, now he's telling him, go deeper. Can you imagine if you're, you're sitting and you're reading and you're studying your word and you're praying or you're walking and praying or you're washing dishes and praying and, and you're seeking God and you're trying to listen. And he says, come on, you need to go deeper. And then suddenly here's this word, lower your nets for a catch of fish. Come on, say that with me. Lower your nets for a catch of fish. Now, He could have said, just lower your nets. But what I love about this is he didn't just say, lower it to see what you get. He said, lower your nets for a catch of fish. He was already telling him what was about to happen. He took over his boat. He then blessed Peter for it, for the boat and what he was trying to do. But don't you just love how Jesus does things? And when he says, he didn't just say, oh, lower it on down and see what happens. I love it because he says, lower your nets for a catch of fish. He already promised him that he was going to catch fish. So you can imagine he's already got this word that is spoken to him and said to him that you are going to catch fish. So he already knows ahead of time. And I'm sure he's probably thinking, (laughs) "Uh, hello, I've been out all night and we came back with nothing. (laughs) You know, when you think about it, did Jesus not already know that? He already knew they were out there all night and came back with nothing. And in fact, he showed it by saying, Master, we worked hard all night. How many times have you said to God, you know, this word just really excites me because when you're doing something big, how many times has God said to you, come on, just go out there, 
just go out there and do this because when you lower your nets, you're going to come back up with a catch of fish. And how many times have you responded back? Come on, God, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I've been through this. Can't we just like get on over and get past this because I've already experienced this. I already know what's going to happen. Look what happened today. Look what happened yesterday. Look what happened last week. But again, this is why I say that I love this so much. And you know, guys, this is really a simple word. I'm being really, really honest with you. It's so simple, but I love it so much. And I get so excited because he said, in spite of the way I feel, And in spite of the fact that I may not even believe you at your word, at your word, I'm going to do what you say, and I'm going to lower the nets again. (sighs) How many times are you being set up for a miracle and all God is asking you to do is just do what I'm telling you to do. Just listen to me. Listen to me and listen to what I'm telling you. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the negative. Don't listen to people saying it can't be done. Don't listen to people trying to be you as they're being used of the enemy to try to make you feel like that maybe what you heard wasn't really God. What you have to just say to yourself is, okay, hold on a minute. God is on the scene. And you know, really, when you think about it, Simon Peter was making excuses. And um, and also because he had already washed the nets. He was already on his way home when Jesus took over his boat. And this also tells me that sometimes you might even already think it's over. You might already start to feel like, wow, this is not really going anywhere. When God comes in with a fresh word and he says, go back again. And maybe, maybe you were fishing in the wrong place, or maybe you did go back uh, and he sent you to just a, a location right next to where you were. You know, sometimes you can miss God's place, you know, just just a, a hair. And so it, it, it behooves us. It, it's important for us to listen to God's word. And it's important for us to say, at thy word, at thy word. Come on, say that tonight. At thy word, God, I'm listening to you. I'm going to do what you are telling me to do. And, you know, I, I I tell you that tonight, even before I told you, I spoke to Mark a little bit and he even told me of a practical story when he was out fishing and he had fished and, and caught nothing. And then an old man just appeared out of nowhere and told him to go to the other side of the tree. And he told me that what happened was immediately he caught a fish and then he turned around to thank the guy and he was gone. Listen, this is what God does. And he he took the man's word and he went and just dropped his uh, fishing pole there on the other side of the tree and caught himself a fish. So sometimes God might be telling you, no, just move over a few inches over here or go a little bit deeper because I know what's out there and I'm setting you up for a miracle. But not only that, there's a greater lesson to learn here. And this is where I want to get into the really powerful thing that we must focus on tonight. We must learn to let the author of the book be the authority in our lives over everything. I'm going to say that again. We need to learn to let the author, the author of this book, be the authority 
of our lives over everything. That means in spite of how you feel, you know there's a blessing waiting for you. And you go back to the second part of verse five and you say, nevertheless, at your word, Lord God, I'm going to do what you say. And this is why I say, you know, faith is not faith just because you say it. Why? Because even when Peter was arguing back and forth and um, he's thinking about the previous experiences of the night before and thinking about the fact that he had already done this, he acted on his word in spite of previous experiences or circumstances. Scriptures need to be the foundation of our faith. And it should be what we use to establish our worldview of the world today. You see, um, I, you know, I know what people might be saying out there, but I also know what God says. I know what people might be saying around us, but I know what God says. And so we need to let the scriptures be the foundation of our faith. And we also need to use the scriptures to establish what our worldview is today. Not what people think, but what God's word says. I want to take you to James 2.20. This is towards the end of the New Testament. And it's another powerful scripture. And the reason that I believe that it is so important is this. Are you willing to recognize that you are when, sorry, I'm going to rephrase this. Are you willing to recognize when you are so spiritually shallow that you realize that faith without works is dead or it's useless? So here we go. We're in James 2.20. And I'm just going to read this scripture again out of the Amplified. Are you willing to recognize, notice now in the Amplified, this is not my words. Are you willing to recognize, you foolish, spiritually shallow person, that faith without works is useless? You see, when people say that, oh, yeah, I believe, go back to verse 19 right there in that same scripture in chapter 2 where it says, the demons even believe and they tremble. So no good you saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe. You must act on what you believe. Because you see, when it says here, faith without works is dead, that's because works is a corresponding action. It means that you must do something. So faith is not faith just because you faith or because you say faith. You have to go beyond confession to action. And this is what is important because if you have faith, you must act on your faith. You must do the faith. It's kind of like, you know, uh, when when I say works is a, a corresponding action, you know, it's kind of like people say, oh yeah, I know how to do that. Or yeah, I know how to fix that. But if they don't do anything to help you fix it and they just sit there and they don't do anything about it, what good does that do to you? You know, a person can sit there all day long and say, oh, yeah, I know, I know how to fix that toilet. Yeah, uh, that's easy. I know how to do that. I'm like, well, all right, then crack on and get it fixed then. But don't just sit there and tell people you know what to do because your knowledge doesn't do anyone any good if you're not willing to put action into it and do something about it. 
So, you know, we need to learn that fa- that works is a corresponding action. It means that you're going to do something. Now, I just want to teach you one final thing here. I want you to go to Psalms, to 119. And, you know, this is a very long chapter. <laughs> uh, people who know the Psalms know that, you know, it's, it's the longest uh, chapter in the Bible, you know. So it's good for you to read, though, because, uh, you know, there's some powerful scriptures in it. But I'm going to read uh, verse 133. So if you found it, go. it's about the, uh, usually about the middle of your Bible, Old Testament, Psalms 119. 133, establish my footsteps or order my footsteps the way of the Lord. Do, you know, it says in the Amplified, do not let any human weakness have power over me, causing me to be separated from you. Wow. Establish my footsteps in the way of your word. Do not let any human weakness have power over me, causing me to be separated from you. I want to give you this word order when it says in in some translations, it says order my footsteps in the way of the Lord. The word order in the Old Testament means to arrange or to establish or to set in the New Testament. It means also arrangement and to arrange thoroughly. You've got to have order in your life. You must be able to stand up and with the word of God on your side. Does it mean that we're never going to make mistakes? No, it doesn't. We are human and we are going to at times stumble and we're going to feel like that we're falling. But what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to pick ourselves back up. Sometimes you need to be the one that looks in the mirror and tell yourself, come on, why now? Get with it. You need to wake up and get with the program. You need to find out what God's word is saying. You need to listen. Stop listening to the junk. You need to stop allowing your human weakness to have power over you and causing you to be separated from me because I am the one that should have the ultimate power over you because I am God. So I want to make this statement for you tonight. Whatever is number one in your life will always be in control. So in other words, whatever you put first in your life, that is what you are allowing to be in control. So sometimes we need to reevaluate our lives, even on a daily basis. What are you putting first? What takes priority in your life? Because whatever takes priority, that is what's controlling you. You know, and in the life of faith, There is an order and it actually starts with order. You know, let's just go to one other scripture before I wrap this up. In Deuteronomy, this is all the way towards the beginning of the Old Testament. In chapter 30, right before the book of Joshua, my favorite, one of my favorite, one of my favorite books, Joshua, uh, sorry, in Deuteronomy 30, Verse 19, I want to show you something. 
It says, I will call, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, you shall choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. Listen, he's already telling us, you're going to have choices to make. You've got life and you've got death. You can choose blessing. You can choose curse. But you must choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. So you have to make a decision. You have to make up your mind. They are your choices. You have to decide what is, where is the order going to be? Who's going to be number one in your life? Who's going to dictate to you what takes place in your life? And if you go on over to Joshua, sorry, I did say I was only going to use one last scripture, but I just got one more here in Joshua 24, verse 15. And, you know, these are just great scriptures for you. I mean, the whole Bible obviously is great, isn't it? But it says in verse 15, if it is unacceptable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether it will be the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the God of the Amorites in whose land you live. But as for me and my house, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will make God number one in our lives. So listen, in order for your faith to be in order, here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to hear the word. You need to hear it just like you're doing right now. You need to listen. Then you need to meditate. And meditate is not that you just sit and Mm, that's not meditation. That's the world who stole that word and turned it into a word that wasn't meant to be. In actual fact, meditate meditate means that you literally just focus. You think about the word. Sometimes it's about you just repeating that word over and over in your spirit until you get that word down into your heart and you start to believe it. So it's not just about you going off into la-la land about it. It's about you taking the word and really thinking about it and really focusing on it and asking God, to reveal his word to you. Then you confess the word. Come on, say that with me. We hear the word, we meditate on the word, and then we confess the word. So now you've heard it. Now you've been focusing, you've been studying. It's filtering down into your spirit. You've got it in your heart. You begin to use your mouth to confess the word. Do you know why I believe it's so important to confess the word with your mouth? Because I believe part of it is that when you speak it out, you put it out there and you put it out there into the the atmosphere. But also it's a chance for your ears to hear it back. So that you're actually, you're, you're speaking it almost back to yourself and you're getting down in your spirit. And then finally it says, act on the word. So you have to hear it, meditate on it, confess the word and act on the word. And, and finishing up with this, when you go back to Luke 5 verse 5, 
Remember this, even though you're not sure sometimes, even though you might feel that there are moments when you're not sure if it's the right thing to do, nevertheless, and you can say, Lord, at your word, at your word, I'm letting down my nets and I'm doing what you tell me to do. And notice it says in verse six, they caught a great number of fish. The nets were even breaking to the point that later, They asked for forgiveness. And after that, they became followers of Jesus. And there were great miracles in the area because Jesus had set them up. He had set Simon Peter up. Listen, I believe right now tonight, Jesus is setting you up for a miracle. Think about it. Think about it. He's setting you up for a miracle. He just needs you that as you're hearing this word, you need to meditate on it. Every time you hear a word, what you heard this morning, what you hear tonight, what you hear throughout the week, you need to put it down in your spirit and then you need to confess it and then you need to act on it. And I pray that tonight and the rest of your week, I pray you would just tell yourself and tell God, Lord, I'm just putting myself out there before you. And I thank you, Lord God, that in spite of my weakness, in spite of my doubts, in spite of my past experiences, I believe, Lord God, that you have a miracle on the way. And regardless of, at thy word, I'm letting down my nets and setting myself up for the miracle that you have for me. God bless you. Back to the studio.